Blog Talk Radio. And now, here's your host, William Powell, the king of DC media. Good evening, my dear listeners. Tonight, I will be speaking with director Matt Crouch and star Chad Eric Smith, who actually was also recently named the October 2019 Filmmaker of the Month by uh, the DC Office of Cable and TV. And we're going to be talking about Crouch's science fiction film, Fatherless. Now, this film centers around a young physicist with a troubled past who seeks to develop time travel in an attempt to fix his childhood. As he discovers his theory may be more practical than he originally expected, he must choose between repairing his own life and fixing the lives of others. Now, this film also stars Kevin Raphael and Michael Mall, among many others. So I see that uh, Mr. Crouch and Chad are on the line here, so let me bring them on the air. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Thanks for having us. Absolutely, absolutely. My pleasure. So, uh, Matt, I'm going to start with you and ask, why did you decide to tell a story about time travel? Uh, you know, time travel is uh, its always an interesting subject to look into. Uh, for me, uh, the time travel and the title fatherless and that subject matter are all uh, interconnected. When I was coming up with the story, uh, it was largely because I have a son myself, uh, he's seven, he was six at the time, and uh, he's the spitting image of me, um, and uh, also had the experience of him going through a lot of the same things that I was going through when I was his age, um, so it was kind of like I was time traveling on a daily basis, because I was watching him and uh, thinking back to my own experiences at his age, and uh, it just got me to thinking about uh, time travel as an interesting medium to to tell this story overall. That's amazing. That's amazing, Sue. Uh, Chad, talk about your character, Logan Avery. Yeah, so Logan is uh, the the protagonist, uh, and you know he is uh, has a brilliant mind, but is also a tortured. You know, he uh, his whole life has been kind of been training his, his mind to think about these concepts like quantum physics and, and time uh, travel. And, uh, we, we meet him uh, at a young age, and we see him kind of grow into this man who is dealing with kind of like the loneliness, the sorrow of, of having a, a basically you know, a, a fatherless uh, situation, whether it be uh, physically at some point uh, and emotionally kind of um, constantly. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a really fun uh, and enjoyable process to kind of learn more about the theme of fatherlessness and try to incorporate that into the uh, character uh, disposition. Yeah, yeah. So now, uh, Matt, talk about what you think audiences should take away from this film. Yeah, I I hope that uh, this becomes a conversation starter. Uh, the film itself is designed 
to talk a good bit about the issue of fatherlessness in America. Uh, it's really become an epidemic in our country and our society these days uh, mm-hmm. where so many children are growing up without uh, the constant influence of a father figure or a consistent father right. figure. Uh, you know, recent right. census data has uh, estimated about 25% of kids in this country uh, grow up without a, a consistent father figure. So um, mm. it's, yeah, it's it's a huge issue. It's something that's been impacting our country for generations now. And uh, it's something that ultimately uh, I, I feel we need to change. It's it's long overdue for us to uh, kind of flip the script, stop accepting it as the norm, and find ways that we can fix it. So ultimately I hope that after watching this film, um, people will be able to engage in that conversation. I don't think that the film just presents fatherlessness as an issue or a problem. I think that it also suggests some ideas on how we can go about fixing that. And so I hope that uh, at the end of screenings of this film, the audience is able to take that away from it and have serious conversation about how we can apply those ideas in our own society. All right. So now, Chad, uh, tell me about how you got attached to the film. Yeah, so um, Matt has been friends for over 10 years now. We met in Pittsburgh, and uh, I was in, I was actually the antagonist in his film, uh, Revolution Cry. And so um, ever since then, we always had talked about how we wanted to work together on set. And we always used each other as a soundboard, a sounding board for um, a lot of our projects. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, Matt was the uh, creative consultant on my uh, short film, Rumination, uh, that, you know, you and I have talked about a lot, uh, William. Right. And so, um, so when, so uh, last year when Matt came to me with this idea of fatherless and sent me a script, you know, he, he came to me in a capacity asking if I was curious and co-producing it with him, you know. Um, and I was like, yeah, I read the script and I loved it. But I loved it so much that I wanted to be in it too, you know, like as an actor, you know, you know something's good when you start to envision yourself in, in you know, the role of the character. So uh, I said, hey, man, you know, uh, how would you feel if I played a little band? And he said, yeah, that'd be dope, you know. So uh, he cast me, and then we hit the ground running, uh, both as producing partners, but also as uh, director, actor, relationship. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so now, Matt, uh, you got to talk about some of the challenges you had uh, casting the film. Yeah, you know what? Um, I, I'm sorry to let you down a little bit on that one, but casting was, uh, along with a lot of other areas of this film, were way easier than you ever expect on a film. Um, it's something that Chad and I have talked about and kind of joked about on this film, we've always kind of felt like the film itself just wanted to be made. And every time we encountered uh, these areas that would typically be roadblocks or potential issues, uh, we just smoothed right through it. Um, The other lead in this film, Michael Mao, who you mentioned before, uh, the day that Chad and I signed our contracts and production agreements to work together on this, 
was back in February, and we went to an Oscar party right after, and that's where we met Michael. So it's just been uh, like that. Things have just lined up for us, like the the universe is just shoving <laughs> the right uh, puzzle pieces in our face at every turn. Um, again, like this movie just wants to make sure that it's made. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had a number of times where uh, those actors or crew members or whoever have actually reached out to us before we've had a chance to reach out to them. And we had already been talking about, you know, this person would be a good fit for uh, whatever role. So um, it really, it, it turned out perfectly. We had our first pick on uh, every role, um, whether we reached out to them or they reached out to us, it, it was uh, it was actually pretty easy to get everybody in place for this. Yeah, that's yeah, great yeah, when you know ask, what... Yeah, one, time, uh-huh. one time, uh, Matt and I were walking through a parking lot. We were coming from some store. A store I, might have, I can't remember what store it was. Maybe a first store or something like that. But some random guy just walked up to us with like, the CPU computer, you know, just computer just exposed with wires and chips and all this stuff. It's like, hey, guys, you want, you want a free desktop computer? And we were like, uh, yeah, that's time machine uh, material. He probably, he probably looked at us like, huh? So it was, but it was like, <laughs> it was like, it's like the universe was giving us props in production design too, you know? Yeah, and that it is used in the production design in the film. And we were just stopping to grab something to eat or drink or something like that on our way to set. And here's this guy walking towards us with the shell of a computer that (laughs) just worked out perfectly. Yeah, that's that's amazing how that how that works out. So, uh, so then Matt, you got to talk about locations too. I mean, I guess the locations and everything fell together too. Yeah, they really did. Um, for me, this was my first film in about a decade. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm also in a new area. Um, so I, I was a little concerned about that, about being able to find all of the right locations. I've only been living here for about the last uh, year or so, so I'm really still finding my way around uh, this location. But um, a, a chunk of it was just going out and exploring and uh, trying to find some interesting places. Again, Serendipity came in quite a bit there. Chad and I stumbled upon one of our locations when he was here visiting uh, to to sign our production agreements back in February, and that ended up uh, becoming one of our our locations in the film. Um, And then I I reached out to some filmmakers who are in the area that we had made some connections with and uh, just asked for their input, their advice. Uh, There was even one location that um, we, uh, it was a major location. We spent a lot of time in the film uh, in that location, and we were settling. It was the one location we were settling on. It just wasn't perfect. It it wasn't, you know, we found a couple of locations that would work, but they just weren't exactly what we were looking for. And uh, maybe two weeks before the shoot, I reached out to a friend of mine here, actually, uh, who I I work for in my day job, 
and just told him, you know, there's this one location I'm looking for, and this is what I'm looking for. And he said, oh, yeah, I have that place on my property. Come by and check it out this weekend. And we ended up shooting there. So um, just situations like that where things just kept falling into place and uh, the film just it, it absolutely wanted to be made and wanted to be made the right way. Yeah, you know, uh, I know that you were able to get some assistance uh, from the the film office out there. So talk a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah, the Louisville Film Society. Um, great working with them. Um, obviously, our, our first time working with the Louisville Film Society, but it has been a great experience. Um, the head of the society is Susie Eastman. She's a filmmaker in her own right. Uh, she actually just had a documentary that started playing on Amazon this past week and had its premiere on Amazon. So um, she has been very helpful in helping us to make connections. And uh, most importantly, they provided a fiscal sponsorship for us. So we've been able to collect money uh, through the the film society itself, which makes the fundraising process considerably easier uh, when you can uh, tell people about the uh, tax-deductible status uh, of raising funds as opposed to uh, just trying to go out on an Indiegogo or something and, and raise thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's good to have that kind of support. Absolutely. 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 So, uh, yeah, so, so Chad, um, I know you do direct it. And uh, so as a director, I mean, how would you say your, your style contrasts uh, with Matt? Uh, his methodology. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, that's a, great, a great question. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, um, you know, me and Matt have had uh, a lot of conversations about his directing uh, style recently. Uh, you know, a lot yeah. of his favorite directors are auteurs, you know, and I think he's really fashioned himself as such. And so, you know, as auteur, it's like uh, every little aspect, every little detail um, of the uh, uh, of the project is a part of his vision, you know. And, you know, there's kind of from every level to the sound design to the the color scheme to even like the wardrobe and you know it, it's very much uh, a detailed approach um so i would say that he just has a really strong vision i think i think my vision as a director is is strong as well i think though because my focus is has always been acting i've been acting for over a decade that um the stuff that i have done thus far has been a lot of my emphasis has been on just like character uh and so i'm really trying to learn and get more into kind of the things outside of the performance um uh, that's why with rumination i was really proud of the writing aspect of it which i think only helps further in the performances of the actors um and so i, I feel like i'm really learning you know uh, Matt is really book smart when it comes to uh, filmmaking. I mean, he has, you know, a master's degree in it, you know, and I'm kind of learning as I go. So I think that I'm kind of an, uh, an actor's director, like, you know, very much, um, you know, actor-turned director, uh, very performance-driven, and I think that 
um, Matt is really good at kind of a very well-rounded, um, uh, very thorough and detailed um, auteur. Yeah, Thank you, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so Matt, uh, so for what directing, what directing lessons did you learn uh, from this film? From this film, um, quite a few, um, <laughs> as you should from just about every production. But um, again, yeah. being offset for uh, roughly a decade and then coming back. Uh, there were parts that were like riding a bicycle and they come right back to you and you remember what you're doing. And there are right. other areas that um, I had just completely forgotten about or maybe wasn't as prepared for as I would like to be. Um, one thing that I took away, and Chad can share with you on this as well because he's been very active in the, the film industry while I've been in the more scholarly pursuits over the last few years. Um, but we were on the same page with this. There's always somebody who knows more than you. And uh, that was apparent to us on our set. Um, our, our director of photography, Clifton Radford, um, was a godsend. He put together some absolutely beautiful visuals, and I can't wait for everybody to see those. Um, but he brought with him a camera team um, of Eric Hajar and uh, Mike Dickman, and the three of them communicated in a completely different language. <laughs> and um, I thought I had a, a pretty decent understanding of the lingo on set and, and things like that from going to film school and, and doing a lot of the studying that I've done. And uh, we would encounter an issue and Mike would look up and say, well, we've just got an eight through the five and big box the three over seven. Yeah. And yeah, the other two of them look at each other and be like, uh, the Billy <laughs> right. Yeah. They, the three of, of them would just have their conversations in the, this other language. And again, I felt like I, I, I kind of knew what I was talking about. But once those two or those three started, uh, started talking in, in cinematographer language, it uh, it reminded me that there's still a lot that that I don't know, and uh, a lot of experience that other people are are bringing to the production, and it, it helps you to really put things into focus and and have that added level of appreciation for uh, everything that they're bringing to the to the production. Yeah, even if you can do it well, that there's always somebody that can do it great, and it's good to learn to lean on those people and not have that that ego. So now, Matt, uh, we got to right. talk about um, when uh, this film is going to be uh, released. I mean, you've got uh, 2020 uh, as the release year. I guess you're going to be going to festivals or what? That's certainly the plan. Uh, we'd like to play this in festivals. Uh, we'll, we'll be submitting around the country, uh, mostly focusing yeah. on the East Coast and the Midwest, uh, where I am, some into the South as well. Uh, not as much out West, because we don't have as much of a, a presence out there, but uh, if we find the right festival, then certainly not opposed to it. We're also in discussions with some nonprofits that have uh, like-minded ideas uh, with the conversation that we're trying to start. So we will look to work with them and possibly provide some screenings with them. Uh, we did use a, 
a university in part of our filming, and they said that they would love to have us back to screen the film once it's all complete, especially with they have a, okay. a pretty large psychology program there. So it would be beneficial for us to screen that and talk about Chad and his role and uh, the impact of fatherlessness from a psychological standpoint, which uh, Chad really nails in, in his performance. I, he, he does an incredible job of depicting fatherlessness and kind of the fallout that that has on individuals. So uh, from a psychological standpoint, there's there's a lot of meat on the bone there for us to, uh, to well, dig thank into. You, sir. Absolutely. Man, that's great. That's great. So, oh, Matt, I, I didn't uh, ask you about Michael Marl and uh, uh, Kelvin uh, Raphael. So uh, talk a little bit about their characters. Sure. Sure. So Kelvin, first of all, is a younger version of uh, Chad's character. So um, uh-huh. we we get to see various different forms of that character that help us to understand ultimately the the psychology of uh, Chad's character, Logan. Uh, So we're not just kind of dropped into Logan and expected to understand him. We get a good bit of backstory on him as well. Um, And Kelvin was recommended to me by, uh, we had an assistant um, who helped us with casting out here. Uh, Her name's Leah Beesmore, and she did uh, a really fantastic job of finding extras for us, but also finding our supporting roles and uh, running those people by me. She was very well connected with the actors in this area, and she was able to uh, provide a a lot for us to choose from, and Kelvin was one of them, uh, who just, uh, Kelvin provides a very uh, natural acting style. Uh, There was very little direction that I needed to give. And he was able to get right into the the idea of the character or the situation that that character was supposed to be in. So uh, we only get very limited time with Kelvin's version of the character, but the moments that we do get are incredibly important to the story and provide a lot of emotional impact um, that helps our audience to understand who Logan is for the remainder of the story. So, um, and I just want to say one thing real quick about Kelvin, too, uh-huh. uh, which is that, you know, I met him uh, on, on the same day uh, that he shot, and we had a quick conversation about, like, the overall character arc, and I told him about a, a certain little idiosyncrasy, a little nervous tick that the character had, and very quickly he understood and incorporated it into his performance. So it allows for this kind of um, this fluidity uh, and this fidelity between the two performances that I think really uh, kind of hits home that they are the same character. Yeah, it does a good job of really uniting everything, not only by the the look of all of the characters. They definitely look like progressions of one person from a younger age up to an older age, um, but they also have a lot of mannerisms that are tying them together as well. Uh, so it just, it, it further links everything. So that was a, that was a big part of um, really connecting everybody. And then Michael, um, as I mentioned, we, we met Michael 
by happenstance at a party, uh, and we both walked out of the party. We hadn't said anything specific to Michael, but we both walked out of the party saying, you know, he'd be a good Dr. Albright. And uh, lo and behold, uh, about a month later, he reached out to us and asked if there was a role that uh, he might be able to read for. And we said, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the rest was pretty quick and easy. Um, and from there, we, we all started working together. He had this ability that I've only seen in a couple of other actors before, that he could really feel the lens on him and feel the scale of the shot. So when we were doing long shots, he was very good at um, expressing himself with maybe slightly larger motions, um, more like a stage actor. But once you came in uh, to a medium or a close-up on him, he could feel that on him, and he would um, go into much further nuance, um, little mannerisms and things like that that really made his performance feel that much fuller. And it gave us a lot to play around with when we were editing because he had so many um, little reactions and just tiny little twitches within the face or with his hands or something like that when we got into those closer shots that it just made everything very visually interesting uh, and really gives a lot of extra depth to the character who admittedly in the script wasn't completely fleshed out. And I feel like he was able to take that character and really make it something um, more unique and independent rather than just being a supporting role. Wow. Wow. I mean, yeah, it, it, some actors just have that ability to to adjust on the set. So, you know, the filmmaking is a study in, uh, in detail. It's also a study in handling adversity and, and setbacks. So, Matt, what were some of the the setbacks and problems you had to solve on set? Um, you know, it, for the most part, it was just time management. Um, you know, getting into a scene and, and realizing that it was taking longer to film something, or we had one scene in particular where we got there and we started working through the blocking, and it just felt unnatural. And um, so you're in the position of completely re-blocking a scene on the spot, um, trying to keep the day moving forward and um, make sure that you get everything done that you need to within the day, but also knowing that the scene is going to suffer if you don't have the correct blocking. So uh, we took some time on that and completely re-blocked everything, uh, which meant coming up with completely different shots uh, for that particular scene. And um, again, it was just we had such a dedicated crew that everybody was willing to go the extra mile. Everybody was willing to, to do a little bit more than they were actually required to do. Uh, and one great story that's a great example of that, if I can wrap it up on that. Um, the one location that we filmed in for about half of our shoot was uh, indoors. It was, uh, there's no air conditioning. Um, and it was, we were filming in the first week of July. So it was upper 90s outside. It was easily in the low hundreds inside. 
and we were using a hazer because we wanted an atmospheric feel. So it was very humid, very hot, and I mean, everybody was just overwhelmed. We were all drenched in sweat <laughs> from about two minutes into the shoot, and we were doing 12-hour days. So, um, I mean, everybody was just pushing through. We get to the end of that day. We're trying to do a scene that is a one-shot scene, uh, a long-take scene uh, with racking focus back and forth, and actors need to hit some specific beats. And we did, I think, six takes, and we had a couple that were good enough. And everybody was exhausted. We were all sweating. Um, it, it was it was time to go and take a break and recharge. Um, but the crew actually asked me if we could do one more take and try to get it perfect. Um, so that that level of dedication and overcoming uh, the elements that we had and some of the difficulties that we were having from a, a technological standpoint with just getting everything worked out uh, exactly the way it needed to be. And then we did that one extra take and we nailed it. And that was just a perfect way to end that day and uh, have everybody really excited about what we were able to accomplish despite everything that we were working against. Yeah, that that's dedication to try to get that one perfect shot. Okay, gentlemen, we're just about out of time here. Um, oh, uh, Ted, talk about uh, what you've got coming up next. Well, I mean, uh, you know, outside of uh, you know, post-production of Fatherless, uh, my directorial debut, uh, Dark Therapy, uh, vampire comedy about a vampire with an irrational fear of blood who seeks psychiatric treatment, is actually going to have its uh, television premiere um, this Friday night at 10 o'clock on Revolt TV. And so nice, I'm really excited nice. about that for me more people to see it. Uh, and I'm actually working on a screenplay for a follow-up on it as well. Okay, okay. And, of course, Matt, you're going to be doing the uh, – you're going to be working on uh, this film. But beyond this one, uh, what are your plans? Uh you have any more films in your back pocket? Yeah, you know, there are a couple of scripts I'm developing. Uh, Chad and I are working on one story in particular, um, and we'll see exactly where it goes. I'm trying to stay focused on this project until we have it locked in and, and get started into the festival tour. But, yeah, there are definitely a few pots on simmer right now, and we'll see ultimately what, uh, what fleshes itself out here in the next few months. Very good. Okay, well, Chad and Matt, uh, really enjoyed the time. Uh, wish you uh, the best of luck with the film. Thank you. Thank you for having us on. All right. Okay. Y'all have a great night. You too. You too. Okay. All right, folks out there in Radio Land, remember to do something for your career every single day and break a leg. Night. Under the dark, you pacify me. Hold my breath. Take me down, I won't fight. Beat on my heart, you drum inside me Somewhere my death Makes a sound no one can find out 
Like a sin when you're beside me 